0: White privilege is pervasive. It's everywhere, even at summer camp. Join us today as we talk about what we can do about it. But first, here's our disclaimer. We're looking at this through the lens of three white individuals, and our focus today is to encourage white folks to do the work. This is Camp Code, another innovative podcast brought to you by Go Camp Pro. Camp Code is dedicated to helping you create and facilitate the most effective leadership training so we can raise the bar for professionalism and preparedness of our staff. You can find our show notes and our blog for summer camp leaders and directors at gocamp.pro.
1: Do you ever feel like you're spending so much time at the office that you have no time left for camp? With UltraCamp, you can track attendance, manage staff applications, and streamline registration so you'll be back outside in no time. Find out more at ultracampmanagement.com
2: slash campcode. Welcome to Camp Code, a podcast brought to you by Pro. We have created and are dedicated to this podcast because we believe that staff training is one of, if not the, most important part of your job as a camp director. Staff training is what prepares your staff to care for their campers, to feel confident in their skills, to do their jobs to the best of their ability, and to learn along the way. A well-thought-out and intentional staff training will help you in more ways than you can imagine, and we need to help each other bring our very best. I'm very excited for us to spend a little time holding space for our topic today. Before we do that, let's do a round of introductions. Beth, will you start us off, please?
0: Of course. I'm Beth Allison, co-owner of Camp Packer and Go Camp Pro. My pronouns are she and her, and I am a camp consultant and trainer coming to you today from Woodstock, Ontario, Canada. And my passion, as always, is building solid, supportive, and purposeful communities.
2: And Gabrielle.
0: And my name is Gabrielle. I
1: am one of the camp directors of Camp Woro. My pronouns are she and her. I also am sporting a new voice today. I have a throat cold. And we focus on creating a positive um, female community for gender minorities.
2: Thank you, Gabs. And I'm Ruby Compton. My pronouns are she, her. I am the chief exploration officer for Ruby Outdoors, which is a fancy way to say I'm self-employed doing support and um, just trying to provide some support to the camp industry. It's, it's a hard time to be doing anything, <laughs> so <laughs> anything I can do to make it easier, that's, that's what I do. Uh, focus in the Western North Carolina area, but I work with camps all over the world. Well, friends, today we wanted to spend some time talking about the topic of acknowledging white privilege during staff training. And I, one of the reasons that this is a topic that came up is, as I want to share just a quick story before we dive in, um, that I remember as a camp director, this was hmm, six, seven years ago, actually saying the words to my staff, well, it's okay, because like, racism doesn't exist anymore, we have to deal with that. (laughs) Remember, these two staff members were like, uh... Hold on. Right. <laughs> and, like, and like, not didn't pull me aside. They kind of like called it out right then and there. And they're like, oh, no, this is definitely still something we're dealing with. And that's really not a great statement that you just made. And uh, I would say that was one of the moments of beginning the journey of the work and still lots of work to do. Uh, but I so appreciate the willingness of those staff members to, to point that out. So, just the side of acknowledging it. And mm-hmm. then what can we do? That's what we want to talk about today. So I believe Beth is going to start us start us off. So what, what ideas do you have?
0: So I want to appro- approach this topic from the point of view of somebody who has never really had the opportunity to address the term white privilege at training with my staff. Since it's been several years since I myself directed, the word's white privilege were just not on our radar at the time. Yes, racism, uh diversity, inequality, but not the not the phrase white privilege. We we talked about it, we learned about it, we trained our staff on the importance of diversity and inclusion, but as i said, like it just wasn't part of my lexicon. So For some of you, you may also be in this kind of position. Yes, you may be directing right now, but you haven't yet tackled this issue with your staff. And I know Gabs has already begun in earnest to address this at Waro, and Ruby's done some work as well. So I'm going to let them share what tips they have that they've seen some success with. But I'd like to talk about how I would start to do the work on this incredibly important issue. And I'm also going to admit to you, full transparency, that when I sat down to think about this podcast, I felt a little overwhelmed. I certainly am aware it's something we need to talk about at camp and that we must talk about because it's part of our public conversation and it's integrated in so many aspects of our world today. And it's such important work. And I believe camps have that special opportunity to do some of this work in a microcosm where we can have these conversations in a safer environment and practice skills to get better at things and then take our new knowledge and skills out into the outside world too. So that being said, I'm also aware of the fact that I sit in a real place of privilege, and I'm struggling to know where to start and worried that I might get things wrong. And I'm pretty sure that I'm not alone in this. So as always, I think transparency with staff is key. I think I would start any discussion on white privilege with exactly that. There may be others who feel the same way, uncomfortable talking about race or concerned about saying the wrong things or making it worse. And We need to start by laying the groundwork, by being totally transparent about how we're feeling about the conversations and the work that needs to be done, and the fact that this might be awkward or difficult. There are also very likely staff members who have a much better handle on things than I do and can be great sources of guidance and input. And By that, I don't mean staff of color. In terms of white privilege, white people have to do the work, but there may be staff members who've done some more of that work already in other places, whether it's at school or in other jobs, and they may be able to help you with these sessions or with these conversations if you're looking for places to start. And like any real important topics at camp, I think we need to maybe discuss some group guidelines ahead of time If we're going to have these kinds of discussions, we need to acknowledge that some of us may feel uncomfortable or inadequate or embarrassed by our lack of knowledge or concerned that strong feelings may arise. And we want to be sure that we're promoting an environment that strives to be safe and respectful. So, I would begin by asking staff either as a whole or in smaller groups to come up with their idea guidelines for this for the discussion of white privilege, and staff may offer things like listening and I don't know, not interrupting or confidentiality or ensuring everyone has time to speak or how to deal with differences or agreements. But it's getting their input so that they're buying into these conversations. And I also think it's really important that we can create an environment that allows for mistakes. And this goes for training and camp as a whole, of course, and we've talked about this many times at Camp Code. But with this issue, we need to acknowledge that everybody has biases and holds stereotypes. And we want to inspire our our staff to challenge themselves and their assumptions. And I think we need to be sure that we state That a safe learning environment, as much as we can strive to create one, doesn't mean that A, everyone will feel safe all of the time, and B, that everyone will be comfortable with every discussion. And we need to front load these kinds of conversations about white privilege with the fact that things can be messy and complicated, and that deep learning, the kind that's lasting and long-term anyway, comes often when things are uncomfortable or sticky, and we're able to work through them. And if we can do our best to be okay with conflict, there can be really improved relationships and higher understanding. So, as always for me, front loading comes first.
2: Thanks, Beth. Thanks for starting off the conversation. Gabs, what would you add?
0: Um,
1: for me, it was it's uh, it was truly about. I'll start a little bit with my my story. I think so. War is primarily a a white um, cisgendered focused, uh, camp. Um, and I'd like to say not by design, but white privilege is by design. So by design. And, um, and I think that because my focus a lot was on, um, equality for women and, um, trying to help our campers and staff members have a space to, you know, be their authentic selves, uh, have a, a platform for their voice. My work was actually primarily white feminism, uh, which I didn't realize, but it was focused on that because I wasn't acknowledging um, the disparities of our uh, women of color and people of color um, that we serve. And I would include that the people that aren't in our community are people that we have underserved or we haven't uh, created a space for them to to be part of our organization. And I've been in this industry for almost 20, professionally 20 years. So full-time, almost 20 years now. And I remember 20 years ago talking about diversity was the big word. And I remember a session on how to put pictures of kids of color in your brochure back then was brochure so that people felt like, Hey, this is an inclusive space. And uh, we've come hopefully a long way from there, but the reality is that it's not an inclusive space until we start to first acknowledge that white privilege exists. So one of my big learnings is that, um, is that I tried for probably about five, six, maybe even seven years to talk about race within my within my camp. And I always felt that part of the staff members in my group agreed with sort of white privilege um uh, white supremacy and and that there is that that was an issue but there's always a smaller group that was kind of like man man it's not that bad and I'm not a racist because I don't say let's just say the n word and my biggest mistake was giving them the choice that racism exists my biggest mistake wasn't saying this is uh this does exist um it is uh, a fact and uh our organization um, benefits from, uh, white privilege and we're, and we have to change that. So my, the first thing is that, that, that I did was a shift and I shifted because again, of some staff members that came forward and, uh, had some very frank words with me about how I was trying to lead the session. And I realized, wow, I've been trying to convince people. It's like trying to convince staff members caring for your kids is important. No, we expect you to care for your kids. So we, and one of the ways is we do it this way. We, it is important for you to understand that white privilege exists and only once we understand that, then we can move forward. So that was number one. I think going back to to Beth's piece is that we have to start also with creating a culture where staff members can feel like they can call out or call in their camp directors or the leadership team and, or even the, the culture that, that, the, that the safety of our kids is, uh, and our staff and every community, any everybody that comes within our organization feels safe. And even when certain individuals aren't within our community, it's still a safe space. So even how those conversations are happening behind closed doors, that's being that's a safe space. So when it's acknowledging it, two it's basically saying, uh, this, this is an issue and we need to address it. And then I know in Camp Code we talk about our mission all the time and we say, You know where's your starting point? What's your why? Et cetera, et cetera. But for me, this is one of the most important parts when it comes to um, when it comes to uh, uh, addressing white supremacy. Is at the core of your organization. Camp Happy Fun uh, creates um, as safe, as physically and emotionally safe environment for our community members to dot dot dot. And this has to be at the core of of the work that that we do. Um, And uh, so that this is the the mission that we're all aiming for. So acknowledging it, creating a space for people to come forward, making sure that your mission is is talking about safety, uh, emotional and physical safety.
2: Smart, smart. Thanks for sharing all that. I, I want to peel back the curtain a little bit on a conversation that we've been talking about working with the women in camp community, and we've been diving into really trying to figure out like what does equity and inclusion look like, especially when we're talking about a group of people that is automatically saying, like actually, there's some people that we're not inviting to the table all the time, um, which is an interesting space to be in. And uh, I have to give a shout out to to Gabs for saying something really smart about that there's a lot of gaslighting that's been going on and and white supremacy and white privilege. Like we don't talk about it. And if it's not acknowledged and spoken about, then it's easy to say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, it doesn't exist. And that benefits white folks. And it causes a ton of harm to anyone who is not white. And so that is where this importance of acknowledging that this is something that exists and that it is something that needs to be talked about. And it's not the job of the diversity consultant who we hire, who may or may not be a person of color to come and tell us these things like that can be part of the plan too, but there is some reflective work that needs to be done by each of us to take that moment and go oh my gosh, how have I benefited from the systems that are in place already? And, and I think that when you step back and start looking through that lens, it's downright shocking. Um, if it's not something that you've had to, and as a white person, I haven't had to carry that lens. That, that right there is white privilege. Congratulations. like That's what it is. And so to be able to help our staff you know, pull back the curtain and turn off the gas lights, like that is creating a safer space for our campers. And it may not feel safer to your white staff. And that is okay. (laughs) Because that discomfort, um, that's where we need to get into that conversation about uncomfortable is where we have places to learn. And we're going to do what we can to make this be a brave space where we can have these conversations and grow, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so just two quick tools, at it is I would not force folks to do this, but I want you to think about is there a way to create some conversation groups where even like your staff members have the opportunity to identify the race that they are. And I and like before you go, oh, God, I would never do that. I This was something that was a practice done with some folks that were in a book club with me. And like we started doing introductions where it was like, hey, I'm Ruby and I'm white. And we also included, hey, I'm Ruby and I'm racist and I've benefited from racist systems. And so even though I don't self-identify as someone who is racist, recognizing through conversation that there are absolutely racist values that I've been taught, taught racist um, systems that I've benefited from, like we can't just push it away anymore. We can't just say, oh, it's not me because I don't do the extremes right? It, it is so much more pervasive, as Beth said at the beginning. And so just taking the opportunity to acknowledge that it exists is a step. And then there's some other steps we need to be thinking about too. Awesome. We're going to take uh, a quick break and hear from our sponsors, and then we'll be back to continue this important conversation. We wouldn't be here today podcasting for you without the support from our sponsor, UltraCamp. Have you heard that UltraCamp is offering a free guide titled Five Unique Ways to Connect with Campers Outside of Camp? When you visit ultracampmanagement.com slash code, you can download this free guide and find out more about UltraCamp's powerful tools that put you in control of your information. Automate your billing, create custom reports, manage your hiring process, including integrated background checks, communicate with your customers and donors and add in the efficiency of automation. Uh, and you have a platform that you can put to work for you. UltraCamp's goal is to provide resources so their clients can spend more time in camp doing what they do best. If that's all doesn't sound like your registration software. Don't you think it should? Visit their website, ultracampmanagement.com slash camp code and set up a time to chat. They look forward to meeting you. And we are back. Beth, we're coming back to you. What what other uh, ideas do you have to share on this?
0: So I think clarifying your camp's goals for the discussions would be really key. What do you hope to get out of talking about white privilege at camp? What's the goal of this discussion with your staff? The why behind choosing to have these discussions during training always helps to build that trust and understanding with your staff. So here's the thing. The majority of staff roles in summer camps in North America are filled by white people. And camp people love to say that at our camp, everybody is special. And that's great and amazing. But saying that your camp doesn't notice race and other physical characteristics or that you're colorblind, I mean, not talking about racism and not noticing racial differences won't eliminate racism. And I think we have to have the conversation that noticing differences doesn't promote bias judging and discriminating based on race does. So why do you feel this topic should take up space and training? And sharing that with your staff can be really powerful in and of itself. And I think one of the ways you could introduce the concept of privilege is by asking folks to write down all the privileges they believe they they have. So for me, I am a white, straight, cisgender female with a university degree from a middle-class background, and I at camp was the executive director. That is a lot of privilege right there. So it's important to become aware of the fact that inequality is deeply entrenched throughout our systems and that these systems... Operate to our advantage, our by meaning there are three white women having this conversation. And to change these systems, we have to consciously choose to take action. So let's get our staff to think about what white privilege means. What exactly are some of those privileges it offers to those of of us who are white? So Ruby was talking about the fact that acknowledging we have these privileges, what are they? Let's talk about that. Ask them why we need to think about it and talk about it and how it affects our staff community, our campers our campers, grownups, our donors, and so on. And I think we also have to be transparent and let staff know that recognizing and learning about race and racism is a process, especially because many white people may not have had that opportunity to reflect on it and discuss it or may not have taken that time. And it's going to take some time to develop understanding and insights, and it'll very likely be a lifelong process, but that we're going to do our best to learn together. And especially if your camp is not racially diverse, and my camp was not, and to this day still really truly isn't, um, I could count on my fingers the number of staff of color I experienced over the years as both a camper and as a staff member. And I think it's important to talk about why they feel that is. Why is our camp not attracting people of all races? How do our campers of color feel not seeing themselves well-represented or represented at all on our staff? So I would start now by gathering as many resources as I could prior to training and doing some of that work on my own. Resources like the books and videos and podcasts and Go Camp Pros 5-Minute Fridays, where Simone Gamble focuses on creating a safer and more inclusive work environment. Um, And Gab's going to talk a little bit more about that kind of stuff from Simone, but we need to bring diverse voices and perspectives into training in other ways besides sort of anecdotal and personal sharing so that we can also build empathy as staff learning and better understand other people's lives, experiences, and feelings. So I think it's a part, you know, it's just having the discussions and having the space for those kinds of really important discussions and acknowledging that, as I said earlier, it might get sticky. And we're going to be okay with that.
1: Thanks Beth.
2: Gabs, what would you add?
1: Um, I think for, for me, um, when we're looking at, you know, when do I start? I remember talking to a camp director and uh, like a lot of sleepaway camps are primarily white. They hire locally. And he was like, well, I just don't know where to start and when to start. And I was like, you just start, you just have to start. And and get comfortable with making mistakes. And when we were talking about, you know, Beth was talking about bringing people in. Start with your own community. Uh, we talk a lot on on Camp Code to to create like that inner circle. And I think criteria for that inner circle are um, people that are that have that are um, passionate and um, value uh, your organization, and that they have a willingness to problem solve. And the goal of this inner circle is to evaluate those, you know, some of the 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 issues within your organization and plan next steps. And note that conversation is an action. Having conversation is an action. It's just not the entire action. It's the first start of an action. But when you start doing that, you'll start to create your own things that you can address. Some are going to be that are there. There are systemic issues that take longer because it takes us a little bit longer to figure out what those are, but there's others that are quite easy. Evaluate your programs. What are you doing in these programs? What history are they rooted in? Where does that history come from? That perhaps it was appropriated, you know, uh, camps are infamous for appropriating native American culture and everywhere from the canoes, uh, archery, the types of tents that you use we have to acknowledge that there's a history uh, uh, that that belongs there. So look at the types of programs, the types of theme days that you have. Look at the buildings that you have around camp. What names uh, are those buildings? And you know, I anybody that's like, well, my camp has been around for a hundred years. Mine has as well. Uh, change those names. The the one of the things that I I realized um, in speaking to some of my alumni. Again, I don't give them a choice. About whether uh, white privilege, white supremacy exists, it does. and and if 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 they don't get that uh, privately, I will work with them to get to that point. But uh, they're not to they're not welcomed um, in my in my space. My space, our space is for is to create a safe space. But one of the things that's helped me have conversations with perhaps alumni is to tell them that our founding into indiv- people, Their goal was to create a space for young individuals to flourish. If they knew this information, I'd like to think they would have made the right decisions. So we know this information. So we have to be the ones that make those decisions. And I'm a big believer that when we involve more people, then what we're also doing is we're giving them the tools to um, we're giving them the tools to not only learn this information, I'm speaking particularly towards for white individuals here, uh, we're giving them the tools to make the changes within their schools, within their households, and within other organizations. That's why I like surrounding myself with a lot of my staff members. Um, right now, I've just, uh, with some of the EDI work that I'm doing with Women in Camp Summit, and some of our consultants that we also hire, because I do feel I need and benefit from having consultants, um, I have a Google Drive that any of my leadership team members can look at, and they can see the work and process that I'm that I'm doing. And at the top of that uh, document, I'll read it to, to all of you. It's not, again, it's not perfect, but that's what we have to get used to. I just write. I just wrote this document is a brainstorming doc doc on creating a safer space at Woro for all community members, as well as for the ones that are missing, such as individuals and communities who do not experience. Woro as a, as a safe, inclusive, or and or equitable space. This document is a working and learning document to catch ideas and is placed here uh, for others to witness. This does not include past work that Woro community members have contributed to creating a safer space at Woro. Not all ideas listed here are conclusive. However, the work, like a beating heart, is vital to Camp Woro's development. Without without it, Woro ceases to exist. Exposure to this work at any stage, I feel is helpful to keep me, Gabrielle Rail, accountable and shed light on some of the process. I've had to take responsibility for past training. Uh, That's the end of the document. Sorry, pause. I had to take responsibility for past training for not, with my current staff saying part of the issues at WARO is because I was ignorant and naive and my white privileged uh, experiences allowed me to, to be that way. And the reason why we're not more advanced, especially as the primary individual that leads staff training. um, uh, The reason why we're not more advanced is because of me, these are the things that I'm doing. And that's why I think it's important that they can see even the half baked ideas. And I will just be honest, everybody that's listening. If you're like, Ooh, I don't like sharing, like, you know, if you're like the type of person that if somebody comes to your house and it's not clean and it really makes you anxious, I'm very much that person. I do not like presenting anything that is not polished and looking a certain way or sounding a certain way.
0: Yes, we can all attest to that.
1: Yes. (laughs) It's very outside of my comfort zone. But do you know what? Being outside your comfort zone is a white privilege that I have. Mm -hmm. I get to choose when I can be comfortable and not comfortable. So this is. I have to put, I have to put that aside and, and share, this is the work that I'm doing and um, share that with, with that, that group of individuals. Um, I think the other thing is that we do want to uh, let our staff members know, um, just get a little bit clearer on like common knowledge. So some of the reasons why a lot of white people don't think that racism totally exists is because they don't understand The only racism that's really expressed is like severely aggressive type of racism. And so I think microaggressions is really important to share from uh, micro invalidations to micro insults to micro assaults to being racially fetish, fetishized, racial gaslighting. So things like I don't see color or you're so sensitive or you act or sound white. Mm. Um, Can I call you? by a different name because I don't want to say the name that is your given name. Um, brown people aren't really my type. All of these are things that are things that my staff and members shared that they have either experienced or said themselves. Um, and so I think that microaggression is something that we need to bring in so that we can all have a common knowledge and bring an awareness to, uh, to how, how this is how oppression continues. And once we have that knowledge then then we can get to next steps.
2: Awesome, awesome. Yeah, and I'll add on to that, that there are a lot of great resources out there. Um, One of the books that I found to be particularly helpful was So You Want to Talk About Race by Ajiyoma Loyu. And just like so great how it's broken down. And it, it gave me language that then when other people came to me and said, but I don't understand is racism? I don't think it's a thing anymore. It just gave me some really easy words to be like, no, let's, let me express this to you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I encourage you to seek out these resources that are out there. And that's one that i found particularly helpful. Another term that I think is helpful to know, cause you may hear it as you, start doing this work is the term tone policing. And if that's not something you're familiar with, this is, um, it's another form of gaslighting, friends. And and I think it's, it's challenging because we do want these conversations to be respectful. And we do want folks to feel some safety net or like comfort in coming into these conversations. That's how we you know, if we say this is going to really suck, like typically people aren't super stoked to do it. But if we're like, no, we're going to be respectful and take care of each other. Like that's, that is how we get some entree into these conversations. But the reality of it is like, there are things that will be said. I'm going to say that. Sure. Like very hundred percent sure there are things that are going to be said that are going to cause some harm in your group. And if we don't offer folks the tools and the um, ability to speak up and say that really hurt and to express some of that feeling and emotion, um, then, then that is essentially engaging in tone policing. So this often plays out, um, when we're talking about race with, you know, a white person says something and then a person of color comes back, you know, in all caps typing, (laughs) right. Or will, or say where the, the white person will then respond with, gosh, you seem really upset about this. Like, just calm down. I can't talk to you when you're this upset about it. And, and I totally understand because I've totally said those same words. Like, hey, let's just all take a step back and bring the, the noise level down. Let's bring the emotions down. And, and then we can talk about it. And that is t- tone policing. It's basically when you're super upset about somebody, about something and somebody says, ah, it's okay. Like, it's not that big of a deal you don't feel any better, you don't feel validated, you don't feel like you're actually getting to express what is happening. Um, And so finding that balance, and it's a tricky one, and it's a complicated one, and you're gonna mess it up. And that's okay. But the fact that you are um, practicing walking that line and giving your staff the opportunity to practice walking that line, that is a skill that they are going to be able to take out into the world and make the world a better place. And finding how do we be respectful, but how do we also give folks voices who've never had the microphone? How do we accept that the way that this voice sounds or says, or the tone that they use, even if it's not the way that I would use it, where can we find common ground to chat And when can I learn to just shut up and listen, (laughs) right? Because sometimes that is really what folks need to be doing, um, especially, especially white people. (laughs) So um, it's hard to separate emotion from language, and we have to be really careful when we're asking people to do so that we, we are being conscientious of the optics of and the impact of doing tone policing. So yeah, I just made it more complicated for all of you and then you're like wait how do I <laughs> how do I do this but you have to understand that that's a concept that's out there mm-hmm. and um and that we as white people particularly engage in it quite frequently especially when we have people of color who are speaking up or saying, you know, that hurts, I don't like that um or <laughs> you're just a racist and then fill in your, you know, curse word of of choice. Yeah. Um, and and that line of how do we not tone police, but also how do we make conversations respectful and have people feel cared for? Like I don't have an easy all answer for you because I personally, I think it's one of those situations where we have to get in and dig around in this messy conversation before it's gonna get better. And it's a little bit of like we have to to engage in that and feel it and understand it and see it, those results and effects. Um, before we're going to be able to move forward and and really pave a better path going forward Um,
0: and I do think talking with your staff about all the things you just said is one of the ways we can help them to walk that line is to have that conversation first not after something is said where somebody takes offense or says hey calm down or uh, whatever it is but to have those you know as front load as much as we possibly can with them and ask for their front loading as well like
2: what else no. do you think we should include? Yeah. Right. And that, yeah. It's and not just
0: coming from me or you, the director or whatever it is. Right.
2: Yeah. And that's, I think that's, I want to bring that concept forward so that you can understand if you hear somebody being like, you're doing tone policing, you get a, a little bit of context and there's lots more information out there to, to read about. But it, it also goes into what Gab said of that, like, what is that kind of base level of knowledge that we're all going to have? And I think that that's a term that we want to consider including. And then talk about how are we going to manage conflict here at camp? Whew, all right, cool. Uh, <laughs> Beth, did you have anything else you wanted to share on this topic?
0: Yeah, I just have one other little one. Um, as we've talked about in, uh, a number of times today, the term white privilege is one that often produces anxiety and defensiveness among white people, but it That's just really has, it has to be on the table. The goal of these conversations for me would be to help staff understand and analyze issues of power and privilege as they relate to racism. So asking them questions like, how do you define white privilege? What are the ways that bias manifests in institutions? I think the important piece after creating space for acknowledging and working on white privilege is to talk about what they want to do about it. So we've all heard a lot of buzzwords and abstract theory about white privilege, uh, particularly these last couple of years. I think camp is a place where they can discuss this incredibly important issue using some plain language, some concrete examples, and focus on some solutions, like to get started with, Um, because it's so much more than just acknowledging the issue. And I heard somebody explain it like it's like for those of us who pass homeless people every day in our cities, sometimes we try to offer a little help, and likely sometimes we don't, but we don't say, hey, man, just so you know, I I know how much more privileged I am than you like just acknowledging it isn't enough. Um, So this is the time to ask questions and get them to discuss things like, how can we identify racism? How should we call it out? How should we challenge it? What does it mean to be an ally? What are the differing ways to engage in ally behavior and give them some time to explore how to act as an ally and practice different strategies, both interpersonal and like on a larger stage by talking about how they might want to get involved in activism. But, if you're not a, a very racially diverse camp, which is like many of us still, maybe it's time to set up a task force to look into why. Are there staff members who would like to do some of that work with you? Are other areas of diversity missing at your camp? What could you be doing about that? And so I think training is a a great time to have some group discussions, large group debriefs, and then choose, like if you've not really delved into this before, like three or maybe no more than five actionable items that you can implement right now and then check in on throughout the summer to see how you're doing. And I think it's really important to share that plan as Gab has done already, um, but to share that with your people. And if you don't have one already, Create one with your staff for this summer and for the year to come and for the years ahead. You will not be able to complete this plan in any detail at all during staff training, but it's a place to start if you haven't already. Or if you have, training is a great time to continue the conversations and move ahead even more. It's it's not a one and done kind of conversation. Um, It's a way to help bring down walls and start great conversations. And with your actionables, it allows you to be accountable to one another in your words and your actions. So please, please, please don't let your staff think that now that you've had this conversation, you get to check that box. Be upfront that this work will take years and you may never finish, but that you as a camp are committed to it. And then of course, be transparent as Gab has been about where you are each summer and how things are going and what you're doing well and what you're not and what you might need to change direction with. And at camp, we always strive to create the hope that when people work together, they can make a difference and improve our society and our world, not just camp. So doing this work this year at training, wherever you happen to be on the spectrum of this work that needs to be done, is just a really good step in the right direction. So don't let it paralyze you with fear so much that you don't get out there and take some steps.
2: Agreed, agreed. Mm -hmm. So smart. Gabs, did you have anything else you wanted to add on this topic? Today, I think,
1: I think that you know, um, I think one, you know, there's so many. I I've seen so many like memes or TikToks or whatever, where it's a an individual um, who's being oppressed, and there's somebody else that's like, just tell me how I can fix it. And listen, I don't, I don't know, like. However you absorb media or information, I'm a TikTok person. This is uh, my preferred place of education at the moment. If you're not on, um, you know, where you're, if you don't have a strong representation of people of color and you're a white person, you need to change your algorithm. Stop liking the white posts and start um, accepting and liking um, something that's going to inform you and educate you. If you like to read books, who are the authors of those books? Who are the subjects within the books? If you like to listen to podcasts, who are you listening to? It's not just an information exchange and knowing, you know, what is a microaggression. It is a truly understanding of people's experiences and how one of the ways that oppression works is by the gaslighting that my experience of how the world is, is the same as your experience. And that's not true. So as camp directors who are leading many societies, whether that's day camp or sleepaway camp, we have to culturally start to include within our own day-to-day lives that, that sort of shift. And I think finally for, for me, when I just want to say that the work that I do at Woro, like all of the work that I do at Woro, I don't do by myself I, I do start with myself, um, but I learned one of the things that I didn't know how to do very well, <laughs> and I had a good conversation with one of my staff members about it, who's a, who's a black woman, and we were talking about race. And I was kind of like, we're talking about race. Do you want to be part of the planning? Do you want to be in? I didn't know how to involve her because we don't have many people of color within our camp. And one of the conversations that led to, we had a proper conversation. She said, listen, some days I actually would really like my voice to be heard. And I'd like to do some of the work because I'm passionate about it. Some days I'm just too dang tired and I don't want to, but it's still nice to be asked. And if I just know that I can show up when I want to show up or I can leave when I want to leave, um, that'd be awesome. And I was just like, oh, so what you're saying is just ask. <laughs> she was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, right. Um, the privilege that I have with my camp is that as a white cisgendered individual, I get to role model what it's like to take responsibility. And I get to role model how to say I'm sorry genuinely. I get to role model my mistakes and... um how mistakes are made and how we stop, acknowledge them, and and change uh, change course. And I get to role model um, being held accountable. And if I get to do that, I hope that for the staff that are with me, that they get the opportunity to role model when they make make mistakes within my organization and outside of my organization. If we can do that, I think we're going to be changing. Um, our, our communities uh, around us um, because part of oppression is that is that we don't want to uh, make mistakes. We don't want to hurt people, but that's the privilege we have is that I don't want to feel badly compared to I am not safe. And so if we can get comfortable with that and embrace it and say, hey, I just taught somebody how to say I'm sorry and, um, and then move forward I I think that's the biggest gift. And I think looking at it that way also helps um, in in, in doing this work.
2: Awesome. Well, I think it's a great spot to pause the conversation for now and know that there's still plenty to talk about, but hopefully um you know utilize this podcast if you're like i don't know how to start the conversation with my coworkers or with my leadership team how do i even get started talking about this stuff please feel welcome to share this podcast with them and say hey i heard this the other day and um mm-hmm. you know everybody listen to it and then talk about it or just in its its existence our my hope is that that will lead to more folks starting these conversations um so at this time, Gabs, I don't know, that was a pretty good recap that you just gave, yeah. but do you have more to share? <laughs> well, I, you know what, what I'd like to do is
1: just, just like a couple of things that I sort of, su- we sort of summed up from what we talked about. So for me, what, what comes out here is if you're, we're trying to set the tone at our camp, maybe go with these three things. One, oppression is not up for debate. It exists. Two, somebody's experience of oppression is not up for debate. And three, however, understanding is always up for discussion. And just remember that our goal at camp um, within our organization is ACA, Acknowledge, Conversation, Action. And isn't that nice if we think about our fellow association, ACA, American Camp Association, if we can associate it to acknowledge, communicate, and action. And we have to do this over and over and over again. And then the last thing is from Beth, uh, one and done is not an option. So this is the work that we are privileged to do. And if we keep doing this, I'm really looking forward to what the next 20 years of camping
0: has ahead. Well, that was totally worthwhile recap. <laughs>
1: yeah, <it's> great. <laughs> I, I also would really, really like to highlight the some work that I've seen firsthand shift the conversation within our industry and more than a bunch of sessions at a conference. I'd like to sort of highlight S'mores Malinin and ORS. So, both of these organizations are on the best way to sort of follow and find out what's going on is to follow them on Instagram. We'll share that in, in our show notes. But I would go beyond their Instagram feed and I would check out. Um, their website. So, for, first and foremost, um, the 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 team at ORS does so many things from consultations to sessions to etc. They're truly leading, um, in 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 the work that in EDI work. But they have this great program called Jedi, which, as a Star Wars uh, fan, <laughs> I'm a super geek uh, um, on, so I love it. So, that stands for Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. And um, it's and it's a consultancy providing social justice um, center training to create a safer and inclusive work uh, workspace environment, and provides folks with the tools to become agents of change. S- change, stop it! Are you kidding me? Like, th- listen, if you're if you want to do the change, but you just don't know how, and I'm constantly not knowing how, this is the type of thing that I'm like I really want to invest in and see if my you know maybe my board. Or I can fundraise to, to get the funds to, to, to get this type of support. But it you find the funds. You know, that we're in the business of creating a safer space for people to be them their authentic selves. So, you know, reach out to them. And our other team uh, that we absolutely adore are the, the individuals um, at S'mores Melanin. So you can check them out at s'moresmelanin.com. They also write a column um, in Camping Magazine titled Trail Mix, uh, which can be found on the ACA website. And they also run a town hall meeting um, every third uh, Thursday of every month called Black B L A C C Town Hall. And um, and that's an acronym for Black Brown Leadership Advancement in Camping Coalition. Um, Again, thank you, S'mores Melanin for the work that you're doing and, and please go to the ORS website or to the S'mores melanin website um, and uh, learn from these individuals because I'm not just learning from them, but it feels like almost like I can take a a deeper breath in my day, knowing that um, this is such focused work that they're doing and that this resource is available for us so that I can continue to create a safer space within, within uh, our camp.
0: And we've had the opportunity to work with both uh, of these organizations, and these women are powerhouses. They're just incredible. So we're really grateful for um, for yeah. all that they're doing and all that we've been able to learn from them so far, and look yeah. forward to learning more.
1: And this work only gets done. Uh, we can't have uh, just people of color, BIPOC individuals, do the work. And um, and as a white individual, I need to listen and learn, but also just make mistakes and move forward. Um, Cause I have to definitely do the majority of the work. So my, our role is to listen and learn and, mm-hmm. and then roll up our sleeves and, um, and get used to apologizing.
2: <laughs> so true. So true. Awesome. Yeah. We'll post uh, links in our show notes to all of that information um, for the various references. We're, uh, our our um, tools and resources that's the word I was looking for. Uh, and we'll put those in the show notes. So definitely check those out. Uh, we would love for you all to get involved with Camp Code. Tell us about this episode for you. Uh, feel free to correct us and start us on our apology train. Cause I'm sure there's something we said. that's I'm problematic. Sure. I'll, I'll own that. Yep, um, same. And you can <laughs> let us know your <laughs> thoughts on this episode and others. And you can also share any topics you'd like for us to discuss any guests you'd recommend that we have on the show any great leadership training tips you have to share. We'd love to hear from you because we are all about sharing in this industry. And if you have found this podcast to be useful, please leave a rating and review for us in your podcasting app. Your feedback really helps keep the show going and helps other folks find the podcast. So before we wrap up with kind of our our final uh, routines, we want you to know how you can get in touch with us. So Beth, where can folks find you?
0: You can email me directly at beth at gocamp.com pro. And I'm on Twitter at Topaz.
1: And Gabs? And you can uh, email me at info at waro.com. Waro is O U A R E A U.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at Gabrielle Rail and Rail takes two L's.
2: Awesome. And you can find me, Ruby, at RubyOutdoors.com for email, at RubyOutdoors on Instagram, and at RubyLyn85 on Twitter. For our next podcast, we are going to be talking about making the most of guest speakers, how to make sure that you have a successful experience if you're bringing in outside folks to come help with your trainings. Our final segment on each podcast is a best practice for leadership training, and we would love to hear some of your memorable moments or most effective tips. Again, you can tell us what they are using that hashtag camp code uh, or send any of us a note as well. And this week's best practice comes from Beth. All right.
0: So if you're like me and you haven't yet had the opportunity to work with staff specifically on the topic of white privilege, I just want to share a few resources that I've come across that may help you get started on your session during training. Peggy McIntosh, the founder of The Seed Project, says that in order to understand the way privilege works, you have to be able to see patterns and systems in social life, but you also have to care about individual experiences. And I think that one's own individual experience is sacred. Testifying to it is very important, but so is seeing that it is set within a framework outside of one's personal experience that is much bigger and has repetitive statistical patterns in it. Um, And I love that. It really shapes that for me. So in an article by Harper's Bazaar, she shares 20 examples of white privilege based on daily experiences that we often take for granted In the hope that it offers a better understanding of this subject. So these statements would be a great starting point for discussion with your staff. So some of them include things like, if I should need to move, I can be pretty sure of renting or purchasing housing in an area which I can afford and which I would want to live. Or I can go shopping alone most of the time, pretty well assured that I will not be followed or harassed. So those are just kind of examples of these questions. So if it's of interest to you, you can find the link in our show notes, or you can go to Macintosh's full list, which is at Project. Org. And again, we'll put those in the show notes. And so having staff answer these questions on their own and then discuss in partners or small groups would help to begin that learning and to be less oblivious to unearned racial, racial advantages. And then you can start to talk about the actions you need to take. Another website that I found was learningforjustice.org, and it also has a toolkit and some great resources which could be very transferable to the camp situation. So I guess what I'm saying is there are all kinds of resources available if you simply Google, what do I do about white privilege, so that you don't have to start from scratch. But if you have already, if you haven't already, you can just get
2: started. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Camp Code is part of the Go Camp Pro podcast network. You can check out all of our other podcasts at gocamp.pro slash podcasts. And today I want to highlight for you all the Camp Owners podcast. They are covering some really smart topics and really kind of talking to that executive level leadership, um, specifically all the different ins and outs that come with being the person at the top, um, the challenges that come with that, and the wide variety of questions and problems that can arise. Uh, So I think if you are someone who is a camp owner or you are that executive level of leadership, I think that Camp Owners Podcast is a great one to check out. And from for now, from all of us here at Camp Code, thanks for listening, friends.
0: Please remember, no other industry shares their best practices the way summer camps do. If you use an idea you heard on a GoCamp Pro podcast, please be professional and remember to give credit where credit is due. The Camp Code is brought to you by GoCamp Pro. Thanks for the listening, friends. Camp Hacker. Bringing your world into focus.